Hey guys, John Paul and me here. It's Tuesday, September 22nd. Short video, midweek video here. Magazine cover, wanted to point this out. There's been a lot of discussion about this. It's one of my favorite indicators. You know, the mainstream always gets it wrong, typically at changes, when sediment changes, right at the bottoms and at tops. And what I'm saying is at the bottom, they'll usually say that things are going to continue to get worse and at the top the media usually says that things are going to continue on they're linear thinkers um, tomorrow will be like today because today is like yesterday and that's really not how things go so what you see is what we call the magazine cover and the economist is famous for this it's a magazine I used to read it a long time ago but uh, it's kind of well, I'm not really into neoliberal um, economics. So, but what I think is interesting is, is I found this chart. These things pop up on Twitter. That's why I say you need to really curate a Twitter. Uh, you'll find a lot of good information on there. And I don't want to get into confirmation bias, but I have found this to be a good indicator. And what we have here is a chart of oil going from 1999 to basically the top in 2008 and what we have here is some magazine covers from The Economist one in 99 and one in 2004 and what we see is you know back in 99 we have this magazine cover from The Economist right at the lows when oil was trading about 10 bucks a barrel $12 a barrel saying that we're drowning in oil and um, this was actually uh, they have another video for you guys that haven't been on the channel long or new subscribers where I talk about my greatest trade ever, which was the Hurricane Hydrocarbons trade. I was also interviewed in a Toronto newspaper about this, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago when they asked me about my greatest trade. But uh, a lot of the old timers, I've had a lot of people chime in on that and say that they got in on that too. But suffice to say, um, that was a stock that was selling for about 25 cents a share and during the time frame of this run, well, not all the way to 2008, I think it got taken out in about 2005 by the Chinese National Oil Company. Uh, it basically went from about 25 cents a share to about 50 bucks a share. But uh, that's, a, that's a whole other story. But anyways, um, that's, you know, when oil was trading at $10 a barrel, that's what you know the media was saying we're drowning in oil sell you know oil will never go up again here's all the reasons why and actually it was probably the one of the best times to buy oil because over the next decade um, you see that uh, oil ran from basically around 10 or 12 bucks a share to about 147 dollars I think a barrel I'm not, I don't mean a share a barrel uh, in 2008 I remember at the high uh, in 2008 when oil was trading 140 dollars a barrel even Nancy Pelosi was suggesting it may be time to consider drilling offshore. So I thought that was funny. But you'll notice they had another, um, even after the price had moved up uh, three times, it went from about 10 bucks to about 30 bucks a barrel. You know, they came out again, you know, four years later and said that uh, it was the end of the oil age. And then you see the run that happened afterwards, you know, basically from about 30 and it topped out uh, over the next four years went from about 30 bucks a, a barrel to a hundred close to 150 dollars a barrel why do I bring this up 
We're seeing a lot of things in the media nowadays about ESG. We've talked about it before. Not a big fan. Um, a lot of the major integrated oil companies, specifically the European ones mostly, are getting on this ESG bent. Um, BP being the biggest one. I pointed out in the Saturday edition of the weekly report that you know the BP Energy Review, where they just went on this long soliloquy about how they're going to divest oil and gas assets and you know zero carbon and all this stuff and that oil demand's going to go down and, and you know why and I also talked about why I don't agree with that and I think it's another classic example of a bottom uh, you know selling at the at the bottom and I'm buying and I am bullish on oil for many reasons I don't have time to go in today I've talked about it before but I think that you know what drives these things is sediment right and we need to see a sediment change but I don't know when the sediment's going to change I do know that underinvestment in a in a product that is required for civilization will lead to less of that product and yet the demand will continue to increase it doesn't really matter what happens in Western Europe the United States as far as oil demand goes you're not going to put all these electric vehicles on the road if you have any sense, if you are a traveled person, if you've lived in the third world, things that I've done, traveled and lived in the third world, you know that somebody's not going to graduate from a horse-drawn cart to a moped to a Tesla. It's just not how it works. Uh, they, people can't afford these things. So what they will do is they will buy internal combustion engine-powered vehicles they will uh, use mopeds, they will do these things. Now I don't know how far EVs are going to penetrate into the uh, you know even into the West just because of some of the material issues I've talked about but you know oil like I said before last weekend even during the COVID shutdowns oil demand only went down about 10 or 12 million dollars 10 or 12 million barrels a day from about a hundred million barrels a day in demand to about like you know slightly under 90 and it's recovered to about 95 96 now so what it taught me was how ubiquitous and how sticky and how inelastic uh, the demand is it's stuck you know it's it permeates it's used in so many things and you know energy is life you know for the average human to live you need about 2,000 calories a day right to do all the things that you do and where do those calories come from? Well, you consume food. How does that food get to you? Well, you go to the grocery store. How do you get there? You know, you start taking this back, you know, to the grocery store. The stuff is transported there, whether it's Whole Foods or Kroger's. Uh, take it all the way back to the farm, you know. Uh, take it all the way back to uh, how the various steps. And energy permeates all of these th things, right? So that, if you start thinking about it like that, you kind of understand why it is the way it is. So I kind of got off track a little bit here, but you know, these sediment indicators are things that I look for. And I think that the recent BP Energy Outlook, which uh, showed this big move into renewables, which they've done before and weren't successful at, um, I think it's just another nail in the coffin in this bear market for energy. I think this thing's going to turn around and uh, that's how I'm positioning myself. Now, talking about EVs, I think it is worth talking about because we're going to get them coming and going on this. Here's the uh, OEM EV investment plans uh, to 2025. 
and you're talking about 500 half a trillion dollars in investment dollars are flowing into this you know I'm not discounting EVs I'm just saying that you're not going to replace all the internal combustion engines in 10 or 20 years with EVs it's obvious they're spending a ton of money on this the zeitgeist in the Western countries is for this and this requires us to pay attention I mean here are all your here are all of your manufacturers you've got your US manufacturers on top you know Ford's dumping 11 billion into this Fiat Chrysler 10.5 um, General Motors 20 billion you get down to your Europeans right 11 billion by uh, um, Mercedes um, you know I don't know 20 billion by Volkswagen I mean it's just uh, it's a tremendous amount of money. Then you look at the Chinese, which are really dumping a really a lots of money into this. So even Hyundai at ten billion. So I don't want to try to pick which one of these is going to be the most successful. I'm not going to do that. Uh, somebody made an analogy, and I liked what they said. I want to make two of these uh, use two of these analogies or metaphors, however, whatever they are. One of them was, you know, the Levi Strauss methodology. Levi Strauss, of course, is famous for his jeans, but what he did was he made his money in the California gold rush. He didn't do it by panning for gold. He used to sell the tools to the gold miners, you know, picks, shovels, pans, that kind of thing. And of course, his uh, workwear that he made uh, ended up being the dungarees and jeans that he became famous for. The other analogy is, is something that Warren Buffett said, um, you know, when the automobile first came about in the early part of the 20th century there were there were like a, over a hundred manufacturers there's all kinds of different car companies popping up left and right and he said that uh, you know you didn't make your money the best thing to do in that type of situation is you didn't really know which one was going to be successful right you've heard about some of these other companies that used to exist Studebaker Packer these different you can do some research into this but these things don't exist anymore but the idea wasn't, hey, I don't need to pick which one. I just need to short horses, right? Because well, what, what, what are we really trying to say there? We don't know which car company is going to be successful. We don't need to know. We just know that uh, horses are going to be replaced. So don't, uh, you know, go short horses. So that's the, uh, that's the, analogy, that's the uh, lesson there. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, how is that, what does that mean for now? Well, we don't know which EV, we don't know which car manufacturer is going to be the most successful at selling EVs. I think, you know, manufacturing cars is a low margin business. So uh, it's going to be cutthroat. So um, you don't want to be trying to make the money there. What you want to do is you want to sell the things that all of them need. And what do all of them need? Well, if it's an electric vehicle, we know it's batteries. And then we need to determine what goes into those batteries. The nickel, the copper, the cobalt, the lithium. Those things are going to be constrained. And it doesn't matter which one of these manufacturers is successful or comes up with the best EV. We could care less. They all require those materials. And those materials are in short supply because they come from extractive sources. And we've had chronic underinvestment. And don't forget that all of those materials are currently in demand for other things. And so when you put this huge amount of um, demand onto the current demand and the current supply train, it can't meet it. 
it takes it will it will ramp up and you know but what will happen is is the price of these materials will have to go up substantially so that new capital will come in and and bring those new mines on and then you'll have this you'll have this gap of time where it takes for the capital to catch up and solve that problem you know the free market does work and the cure for low prices is low prices and so this brings us to the final part of this discussion, the short discussion. I thought this was interesting. You know, I'm not a big fan of Elon Musk. I think he's a fraud. Um, that's just my opinion. I think before it's all over with and his career's all over, he's going to be forced to uh, exit all of his companies in disgrace. I've said that before. That does not get me a lot of uh, fan, good fan mail. There's a lot of you guys that are young guys that think he's uh, Tony Stark or uh, Tom Swift from my generation. Uh, this you know whiz kid that just invents all these things. I think he's a big fraud, and uh, you know he's going to be found out. Um, he just constantly lies and lies and lies, and uh, he gets away with it. But the market, you know, doesn't really care what you think or what I think. It only cares about what reality is. And what I thought was interesting in this slide is, and it goes back to what I said earlier about we don't we're not going to sit here and try to pick which manufacturer is going to win this because here you have a situation and this is what many of the tesla bears were talking about a couple years ago and it's coming to fruition now the rising competition that tesla is facing um, if you will see the the blue bars are the amount of electric cars by each manufacturer uh, sold last year in 2019 and in the white is the ones for this year and you will note that Renault, Volkswagen, Hyundai, Peugeot, Kia, and Audi have all increased their sales massively in some cases. I mean, a lot of them have almost doubled their sales. Certainly Volkswagen, um, Peugeot, I mean, tremendous uh, growth. Uh, Kia doubled their sales. Audi doubled their sales. And Tesla sales declined. So... In this market that's supposedly booming and Tesla is the leader, at least in Europe, their sales are lagging. And, you know, maybe that's a one-off. I'm not an expert on Tesla. I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe somebody can point it out in the comments. I don't really know. But I think it's just interesting to note. But I don't really care which one of these manufacturers wins this. Like I said, as long as the sales go up, I'm going to get them coming and going because they're going to have to buy the materials that are in short supply. So a short video to uh, just touch on some, a couple things I thought were interesting. I hope you found it interesting. And uh, like I said, comment on this. Uh, I know that a lot of people uh, either, there's not a lot of people that are in the middle on Tesla. People either really love it or hate it uh, and have basically the same opinion, I think, of Mr. Musk. But uh, that's what makes a market, right? I'm, you know, it's up like 800% this year, so you can't argue with that. But, uh, you know, we play a tortoise and hare game here, and I'm the tortoise, and I play the long game. So anyways, uh, I think oil is going to surprise people for the rest of the year and into next year, but uh, we will see. And it's all about sediment, and I think sediment is uh, about to change. So that's it for this video, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take it easy.